When you engage in prayer and when you enter into worship and when you sing his praises and when you get to the word and there's a promise there for your heart, my, it's like getting up with new strength because you're feeding, feeding on the Lord Jesus. Now, bread is necessary food. Bread is also satisfying food because we're called to leave the world and all its amusements. We're not to marry the world and to follow their ways of entertainment and the the pleasures of, of this world and its lusts. We're to separate from that. Come out from among them, God says to his people. But God doesn't leave us dull and bored. No, the Lord satisfies our life, and he fills our life with his Son. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I trust today God will minister to your heart as we preach the cross, tell the story of Jesus and his love. Our message today is on one of the I am's of Christ. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And just as God gave the manna in the wilderness, God has given his son to be our bread, to nourish our souls. And we will learn today in the message how Jesus allowed his body to be bruised, how he was crucified, that he might become the bread of life to his people by offering up his own life, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, the cannot bring forth life. So stay tuned as we let the Bible speak today. Can you see God the Father behind this plan? That he would give his son to become as green? That he would give his life? And you know how green, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die? You can't have a harvest. Well, out of the pure life of the Lord Jesus, who gave himself to death, Out of his death now comes our amazing harvest, and there is the gathering in of his people. Now, this certainty, this guarantee that none will be lost, leads us right back to the cross, to what Jesus accomplished there. Because I never like to look at the cross merely as a possibility. I like to look at the cross in the terms that we find here, that our Lord Jesus was suffering for his people in their place as their substitute, so that you and I can say as Christians, as believers, I died when Christ died. When Christ died on that cross, I died. There is no longer any curse for me. I'm no longer united to old Adam. I'm no longer united under the curse, because as far as the law is concerned, as far as God is concerned, when Jesus died as my substitute, I died in him. And there is no longer any claim against me. I'm dead, and I am free in the risen resurrection life of the Lord Jesus. Now, that was substitutionary. And I like to use these terms, and I like to 
guide even the youngest believer here today into the terms that the gospel is built on. These are like Lego blocks. They are building blocks of our faith. And it's so important that we use the terms and we pour in the meaning into them that they deserve, and that we build up our picture and understanding of what our Lord Jesus accomplished on that cross. And so he died substitutionally in our place. All his sufferings were vicarious, not for himself, but for his people. And he was bruised, milled at the cross for us, that we, out of his life and death, would be given eternal life. Do you get the picture? Does it thrill your heart? Does it build your faith? Does it give you much more than just say, I believe the gospel? No, you must say, Christ died for me. Christ died as my substitute. He died as my vicar. He died in my place. And through his suffering comes forth life, real life, eternal life for me. Now, that death of the Lord Jesus was related to all the people that the Father gave to him. But I do not limit the atonement in any which way, because I believe that the value of Jesus' death, that its power and its potency was to save as many worlds of people as there are people in the world. We don't limit the atonement. It's as wide as wide can be that we can preach this gospel to all men, every creature, and the promise is all who come, all who come are saved. This is the wide-door invitation of the gospel. Some very clear verses here in this passage, and this is the reason why I bring this up, because I must be as wide in the invitation of the gospel as Christ was. You'll notice here in verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. No one goes to hell but those who want to. No one is kept out of heaven who want to go there. And if you will be saved, if you will have eternal life with God, the door's wide open. I will in no wise cast out. And then in verse 39, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him. That's not narrow. That's not limiting anything. Everyone that seeth the Son. Now, what do we mean by seeing the Son? hearing the gospel, coming to understand who he is, the bread, the true bread that the Father hath given from heaven. Everyone that seeth the Son gets their eyes on Christ as the Savior of their souls and believeth on him. So the two go together, seeing, believing. And what is the promise? We are told here, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so the power of this will be known on the resurrection day. We may, as Christians, be led to the grave. We may be left in this world for a time under the power of death. But this promise, this gospel, is that the Lord will come, and he will raise us up.
Now, there may be some people who are convinced the Lord is coming before they die. And so you're not looking for the undertaker, you're looking for the upper taker. You're looking to go straight upward. Well, the Lord might do that. But the hope is the same. Because we which are alive on the earth shall not hinder those that are in the grave. But the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the principle of the wheat falling into the ground and dying ensures a harvest. And the Lord Jesus is that prototype. He is the one that has died. And that's why Paul in his theology says, Who is it that shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. Therefore, we as his people are wonderfully and gloriously set free. Now, as we partake in this broken bread today, we have, we've got to bring this theology, this doctrine, this gospel uh, in all its parts and all its components and all its understanding and bring it, funnel it right down to this plate in front of us here and this bread that you're going to take. And as you handle that bread, you're going to say, my faith is in this. I'm going to take physically this bread because I believe this. I, am, I believe that my Lord Jesus is the true bread that has come down from heaven. I believe that what he did in his life and what he did on the cross has purchased life for me. And I take this symbol of his body, and I just dwell upon his bruising and his suffering in my place. And I rest in the hope that my Lord Jesus will accept my faith and one day raise me up again. This is what we're doing. We're believing. And so it is indeed an act of faith. Do not doubt. I, 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 I'm going to attack doubt here. If you doubt, don't partake. If you question and say, how can this be? This is phenomenal. It is. Yes, I believe that. It's phenomenal. But this is the gospel. And you're asked to believe, not doubt. Do not deny what the Lord has done for your soul. But come, eat, believe, partake in the sweet, blessed assurance that this is real and that none will be lost. And that includes you. There's no room for doubt here. There's no room to lack assurance here. This is an assurance-building passage of Scripture and a wonderful, wonderful truth that we may get hold on. Now, I want to clarify something just in case there's any misconceptions. This bread that you're going to partake of is powerless. There is no latent power in that crumbs of that bread, not a whit. And you could eat truckloads of that. It wouldn't do you any good without faith in the Lord Jesus. It is faith that brings you into become a recipient, a believer on, and a child of this gospel by which Jesus promises to be everything that we need. Now, I come to my third point here today, and I want to jump on down to verse 48 to 51. We didn't even get there yet, but you'll notice that the Lord Jesus didn't let go of this very easily. He really kept us up for some time. He says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. 
And that bread which I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, the argument here, of course, comes out of the manna, the manna that sustained the people for 40 years. And, of course, the Jews were always, always, what a wonderful event, what a tremendous thing. Uh, Our fathers, our forefathers were sustained for 40 years in the wilderness by this bread called manna, and it sustained them through the wilderness. They didn't have to grow their own grain. They didn't have to mill the grain. They didn't have to bake it. This manna, ready-made food, was miraculously delivered to them every day. What an amazing thing. Now, the Lord Jesus takes this, and he says, that's what I'll do for you. I'm not the manna. I am the bread of life. In other words, feed on me every day as a Christian. Feed on me. Get your strength, get your support, get your power by feeding on me. Because just as bread is necessary food, you can't go long without physical food. And it sustains you. It gives you the energy and the strength to do your task. How do we live the Christian life? Where do we get the strength to pray and to witness and to walk with God and to uh, separate ourselves from the world and live a holy, godly life? Where do we get the strength for this? Feed on Christ. He's the bread of life. You see, the Christian life is not a set of rules, do's and don'ts. Now, there are many things I would say to you, do and don't do, but that's not the sum total of the Christian life. The essence, the strength, the, the inner secret of the Christian life is feeding on the Lord Jesus every day of your Christian life, every day. You see, once you become a Christian, it's not a matter you sign a card and say, I'm saved, I'm ready for heaven, uh, and I don't need Jesus in that way anymore. No, 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 no. The Bible says, as ye have received him, so walk ye in him. And we are to feast on the Lord as the bread from heaven. That means when you read your Bible, look for the Lord Jesus. That means when you pray, center your prayers, your devotional uh, thanksgiving and praises to God around the Lord Jesus. Get to Calvary. Get to the cross. Get to the blood that he shed. And as you fill your mind and heart with the person, the work, the redeeming love of the Lord Jesus, it happens. It happens. I assure you, it happens. Strength spiritual strength. It's as sure as every time I get up from the table after a good meal. I come in weary and worn, and I sit down, and then I get that food into me, and a few minutes later, I'm ready to go. It works similarly by feeding, feasting on the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we come to church, we come to the prayer meeting, and ma, we're just dragged out. We're living on the dregs of, 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 of uh, the memory of Christ. But when you engage in prayer and when you enter into worship and when you sing his praises and when you get to the word and there's a promise there for your heart, my, it's like getting up with new strength because you're feeding, feeding on the Lord Jesus. Now, bread is necessary food. Bread is also satisfying food because we're called to leave the world and all its amusements We're not to marry the world and to follow their ways of entertainment and the the pleasures of, of this world and its lusts. We're to separate from that, 
Come out from among them, God says to his people. But God doesn't leave us dull and bored. No, the Lord satisfies our life, and he fills our life with his Son. That's God's will. God wants us to be full of Christ. You remember the, the, the apostles in the book of Acts? They took note that they had been with Jesus. And anyone that's been with Jesus is changed. He's got new strength, boldness, and joy in the Lord. Another thing about bread is that it's suited to all. It's the food of kings, and it's the food of beggars. Some people can't eat dainty, sweet stuff. Their diet doesn't allow it. Maybe the doctor told you, don't eat those donuts anymore. You better stick to the plain food. Well, the Lord Jesus will not make you sickly. The Lord Jesus will not call you problems. The more of Christ in your life, the more faith you have in him, the nearer you are to him in your life, the better you will be as a Christian, stronger, whole, and complete in every way. Now, there are those unbelievers who will not partake of this bread. Who are they? Let's look at John 6 and the verse 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. These are the Jews of Christ's day. They had seen the Lord. They had also seen his miracles. He had already just fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes. He had already ministered to them, expounding who he was. They had seen and heard all these things, but believed not. Why? Because they got so stuck in the law of Moses. Verse 32, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread. And I think what human nature often does is because it all happened in the days of Moses and under the leadership of Moses, they sort of attributed the miracle to Moses. Moses had no power to make manna and send it every day. It was their heavenly Father who did that. And the Lord Jesus is countering the unbelief of men and women around him on that very day. Now, this was to rebuke them and to counter them, and they would not come to Christ and trust him personally. Let's look at verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Who is it that believes on Jesus? Those whom the Father has called, and those whom the Father has enlightened, those whom the Holy Spirit has come to open their minds and hearts. And that makes them believers in the Lord Jesus. And another verse, chapter 5, he said, Ye will not come to me that ye might have life. There were those who rejected. And so we see how this table divides. The Lord brings a sword to divide between those who believe and those who believe not. If you have believed and you're now living in the grace and the power of Christ, feasting on him, this table's for you. But if ye will believe not, how can you remember by these visible signs one whom you deny and reject? So this searches our hearts. And I have to ask you, are you a believer? Have you confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your Savior today? He bids you come. All that come are no wise cast out. Maybe you'll come today. Maybe this will be the hour that you come and believe 
on Jesus, the true bread sent down from heaven. Up to now, you've been looking to the false bread, the vain things of this world, the things that are empty, the things that will not save you for eternity. But today you will come and believe in the true bread and believe on him. Is there someone here that needs to be saved? You're not a Christian. If you died today, I would have no grounds to say you're going to heaven because you've never confessed the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Some young person, perhaps, a boy or a girl, and you need to be saved. Have you believed? Have you come? Those two things are synonymous. They that come and those who believe. Is that you? I bid you come. And if I can be of personal help, I certainly will. When I Thank you for joining with us on the program here today. We appreciate your listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our free Presbyterian Church. Here is a text on the cross, Colossians 1, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We all like to share in the joys of victory, whether it's a sports team that wins the cup or a nation that successfully withstands its enemy in war, we like to be on the winning side. 
To be a Christian is to be a winner because our Lord Jesus has already gotten us the victory by his death on the cross. The battle to bring peace to our souls is over. The blood of Jesus has been shed upon that cross at Calvary. Because Jesus was both God and man in one person, his blood possessed all the power required to pay for the sins of the whole world. As man, Jesus died. As God, he reconciled. Without a body to bleed, there would be no blood to shed. Without him being the second person of the Trinity, his blood could not satisfy God's wrath due to the offense of sin. Full payment had to be made for each and every sin to turn God's wrath away and bring down his favor. Without Jesus' death on the cross, God could not justly declare sinners to be righteous. But being totally satisfied through the power of Jesus' death as a sacrifice, God is turned in pity to those who turn to him for salvation. Peace is made, and so the gospel has the power to reconcile sinners to God. This is a most important truth to lay hold upon. Peace is already made. The text says, having made peace through the blood of the cross, many turn to religion to work at making peace with God. They try to gain their own victory by their own efforts, and so spend all their days and years trying to find peace with God, and in the end, lose their souls. All the while, the victory is already won. Don't be like the Japanese soldier who hid for decades in the jungle forests, not knowing that the war had ended. You would then banish your own soul from peace with God, while the amnesty at the cross has already been declared. Peace was fought and won at the cross of Calvary. All you have to do is come as a sinner to the feet of Jesus. Plead the victory of his cross work for your own soul. Confess that you have no other hope and no other way back to God. The little chorus says there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. I trust that you will come, that you will be a saved sinner, that you will be washed in Jesus' blood, and that you will be made white, ready for heaven in the righteousness that Jesus has prepared for you. And so, I hope that you have been encouraged today by listening to these messages on the death, the cross, the way of salvation, and the way of peace with God. If I can be of personal help, feel free to give me a call or send me an email or come along to our church anytime. Stay by with us now for these few closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music